I want to make a little plug announcement before I jump into my message this morning, but we are starting a sermon series August 30th called The Partying God. The Partying God, Discovering the God of Extravagant Celebration. Our, one of our fellow pastors in our movement, Robert Herber in San Diego, wrote this book. Um, it's, a, it's a collection of sermons that he preach, preached um, at the beginning of the, the fall a few years ago. And when we were meeting as a local um, messaging team, the, the three pastors um, that are locally connected here with Community of Faith International, Community of Faith Christian Fellowship in Brighton, in the Harbor, in Beverly, and then myself, we said, hey, let's, let's not only promote this book, let's preach on it. And so we, we are going to be starting that August 30th. These books are available right outside in the foyer as you walk in. Um, they're $7. They cost us $7 to purchase. Uh, we, we asked Robert if he'd give them to us for free. He said no. Um, I'm just kidding. We didn't ask him. $7. Um, and so you can pay $7. Um, if you have a little extra cash, pay forward for somebody else who might not have enough. If, if you don't have enough to enough, uh, if you don't have $7 to buy the book, pay whatever you want to. Take it for free. We want you to have it. Um, and let's get ready for an exciting series starting August 30th. Amen? When I, first, I want to say again, for those of you who are back for the first time, I was here last week, Lindsay. Didn't Lindsay do a great job last week? So encouraged. And uh, we had a prayer time uh, that evening for the nations. And just want, want you to know again, I come back with a fresh zeal for us to be actively engaging the nations of this world with the gospel not just sending people to the nations, which is part of what we do through our training school and raising up missionaries to go. And that's what we kind of honored and celebrated last weekend. But reaching the nations that live among us and really being a full expression of what heaven's going to look like. Amen? Heaven is not just going to look like um, uh, Irish Catholics from Boston. All right? It's going to have a full expression of the flavor in nations of the, of the world. So I get excited about us looking a little bit like heaven every week uh, in our church. Amen. I want to say, though, thanks again. I said it last week, but I could not have had a sabbatical in my family along with me without you. Thank you for being so gracious to not only giving us the time, but to continuing to pay our salary for us not to be here. It is uncommon and unusual for people to extend such grace, especially for three months um, to their pastor. Um, I got lots of jealous looks from other pastors around the country when I told them what I was doing, and that's because of you. So thank you. And I said it last week, but I want to say it again. I, I would not have been able to sleep at night if I didn't know I had such a great staff and team back here running the church um, in my stead. And so we can we give it up again for our staff and our workers for everything that they did, both paid and volunteer, you are amazing, so thank you. We, uh, we felt so loved. We, uh, we felt it supported through prayer encouragement, notes left in our mailbox before we left, uh, emails that slipped through my defenses uh, of encouragement. Uh, we were blessed with a car full of gifts and food when we left, and we got notes at Icon from you. We got notes when we came back. Man. I can't even say enough. I'm so thankful. So thank you for doing that. I want to give, give you a little bit of highlight. Okay, so I'm going, to be, I'm going to be a grandpa today, all right? I'm going to show you slides. Because you keep on asking, what did you do? Where did you go? What happened? And the easiest thing for me to do is just 
you know, put some slides up on, a, on the screen with a song, and you go, ooh, ah, and we get it over with, okay? Can we just do that? You can have to ask me again, but let me, let me just pre- preview or highlight what the summer looked like. For May until the first week of June, we were local. Um, I was doing lots of family stuff. My daughter graduated. Andy graduated from, from high school. And uh, so it pretty much looked like life without work, uh, which is work. Um, then uh, we uh, graduated Annie. We took a vacation um, uh, in Gloucester, and that was awesome with Laura's side of the family. And then we got in a car and we drove west. We put 7,000 miles on our car. Um, and lots of stories and journeys along the way. Went to New Mexico, uh, Grand Canyon, Utah, Colorado, back here. Um, drove through Canada for all you Canadians just so that we could say we like Canada. So did that for you, Stella. Um, and uh, it was fun. So uh, you're going to see Annie's graduation, our loaded car, St. Louis, a New Mexico cabin, Blake's Hamburgers. It's kind of a, a cool hamburger spot in New Mexico. Grand Canyon, Park City Mountains, Icon, which is our international conference, more mountains, more road in the end. Okay, sound good? And some rainbows at the end, because you always have to put rainbows at the end of slideshows. So we're going to do that as well. All right, here we go. While we're waiting, I'll uh, tell you, tell you, uh, let you in on a little bit of my, how I'm going to walk through our, my journey today. But I thought, you know what? It's not going to help you if I'm not really honest with what went on in my three months. And for those of you who've ever sent pastors off on sabbaticals, you looked at me like, you're coming back, aren't you? Because when pastors go on sabbaticals, they start to think. And they start to, as Mark Buckner, uh, a pastor in our movement, said, hold it for just a second. Uh, as I was asking, what's sabbatical going to be like? And he said, you know what? Everything that you haven't been dealing with since the last sabbatical, which was 17 years ago, everything that you haven't been dealt, dealing with, you're going to deal with. It's going to come to the surface. And so that's a good thing, a hard thing. I mean, a hard thing and then a good thing if God's in the middle of it. And so that's what happened. Okay. But here's the fun part. Look at that beautiful girl. I found life and I found laughter in forgiveness. I found rest on the shoulders of That's our packed car. I found hope Everybody could only take a travel suitcase. I could lose it in a moment. Dr. Pepper on the front. So That's Samuel. I'll watch for you fall with the sunset and see hope rise with the tide. St. Louis. And when the pain is true. A lot of dark people. Mountains of New Mexico. Sometimes happy these place. troubles prove that I'm alive. She's standing on a rock, not my in the water. Open, my heart is beating. My lungs are full and my body's breathing. I'm moving forward. I found my freedom. I found the life that gave me reason to live. That's Laura. Our cabin in New Mexico. Hamburgers. As this 
make you fat. Grand You'll see a familiar theme. We thought that picture was funny. Grand Canyon blows your mind, for those of you who haven't been there. It's my beautiful wife, by the way. Lots of driving on roads. We thought we'd take a picture of one. We did a little skiing. Snowboarding, excuse me. Utah. Another happy place. Landed in our backyard. Icon. Spider-Man. Colorado. We did lots of hiking if you notice. So Jake Bianchi, Jeff Bianchi, Pastor of CFCF. That was our amazing race team. We didn't do too well this year. There it is, right? Again. Your staff there. Still snow in the mountains in Colorado. That's the back of your pastor. Niagara Falls. That's a rainbow. And that's a double rainbow. And that's a really cool rainbow. Told you there was rainbows at the end. All right. So can we put up slide number three? Just to, I, w- I want to make sure everybody saw this slide. Can you do that? Were you able to do that, Lily? No, I'm able to do it. Okay. If you remember the, um, uh, the one where Isaac is in the middle of uh, the crowd dancing, did you notice the boy was hitting him in the face? It looked like it, but it was funny. So you'll have to go back and look at it again. He wasn't really doing anything. All right. Well, um, I see my sabbatical in stages. The first month was what I would call detox um, from just the push and the stress and the toll of many years of ministry. And... um, I wrote down in my journal, if you, if I have a journal for the whole time, uh, pages and pages and pages of, of my thoughts that these, these thoughts come from. But on June 15th, which was when we were in New Mexico, so I'd been now on the sabbatical since May 3rd, so a month and a half into it, I wrote in my journal, my first good night of sleep. So it took me about a month and a half to finally kind of let go of whatever I was holding on to um, emotionally and let my body and my emotions recoup. 
Um, that transitioned into some time of got some really fun times with my family. We'd finally finished driving there, and so lots of time with my family and lots of time spent reading and hiking and driving four-wheelers and listening to God. And then the last part, starting with uh, the beginning of July going into our international conference, was a time where God began to impart vision afresh in me for this next season to come. So detox, uh, getting refreshed, family, words, vision um, was kind of what I kind of see in a snapshot my three months. So things I learned about myself that might be something that you would learn about yourself. What did I learn on my time away? The first thing that I put down is, is that my family is awesome and is so important to my existence. I love my family. I love my wife. I love my kids. And um, when you are on long rides with one piece of luggage, long hours, um, in a close proximity for 10 to 12 hours a day on the road, things happen. Glorious things happen. Smelly things happen. Uh, in conversations happen, both good and bad. Um, and the bad is because we don't always walk in the Spirit, do we? I mean, let me, let me say it this way. I don't always walk in the Spirit. And there are times when I respond or react and or one of my family members will respond or react in ways that are revealing of things that need fixing in us. Fixing in us personally or fixing in us relationally. But oftentimes in life when that happens, you just go to your room, you move on, you have a short conversation, you have an argument, you don't get it resolved fully, and you kind of stuff, bury, move on. Everybody know what I'm talking about? But when you're in a car and it happens, you can't leave. Especially when it happens right after a bathroom break. You know, we're not stopping again for another three or four hours. You got to deal with it. Well, some of those dealings, if they're done in the right way, um, in the presence of the Lord, actually produce healing. They produce revelation. Can I tell you that I know more about myself? I know more about the weaknesses and faults in my life than I've ever known before. And I praise God for that because with all of that and all the rough spots about me, there was something um, there was time enough and grace enough for my kids to actually, and my wife, to actually f- speak about some things that maybe they hadn't had the time or the opportunity or the space to speak about. And when I said, hey, what are you feeling? They told me. I said, well, you didn't have to tell me that. Well, Dad, you asked. And it was so good. It was so good for me to be able to hear where I need to grow as a dad and as a husband, and probably as a result, because how I am at home affects who I am here, how I can grow as a pastor and a friend. So my family's important, so I'd say this to you dads and you moms, take some time to listen to one another and to listen to your kids without defenses up. If you need to, go on a long car trip. If they ask why we're doing it, just say, because I want to get to know you. I'm locking the doors. Jonathan's going, no, don't do that. Not a good idea. (laughs) 
Um, we had a great time. 7,000 miles. It was awesome. I've always said it takes a lot of time and intentionality to be a good parent. I now would say that is true, and it also takes a lot of humility and a desire to listen and know your spouse and your kids and who they are. That will take you deeper. Um, we've always had that, but you, it, these moments accelerate some of those events. And I, let me just go on my little family rant for just a second. That means, I think, young parents in the room, less time around the soccer field, less time driving all over the world because you think you love your kids, and more time actually spending time with your kids and listening and hanging out. So my vote is less 14 sports and three lessons of everything else and actually let your kids know you and you know them. Okay, that's free. Got a lot of free advice coming. Wow, Sean's been on a sabbatical. You know, one thing I learned about myself, I've been a pretty straight shooter. I think, I feel like God has said you can be even more of a straight shooter as long as you're nice. So if I'm not nice, just tune me out. But um, if I'm nice, listen to me. Okay. I found on my journey for me in that process, but also my times alone, that I have a good father. I have a good dad in heaven. He reminded me when I was in New Mexico, for those of you who don't know, I spent four of my formative years in New Mexico in a pretty broken home, but I spent lots of time in the mountains, and I spent lots of time as a kid talking to God. As a matter of fact, I so loved reading about David in the Bible. My middle name is David. I think it's prophetic. I, don't, I think God named me through my parents. And I loved the relationship that David had as a young man with God. It talked about him being out in the fields, talking to God as as he was a shepherd. And God reminded me, Sean, do you remember when I was in New Mexico and I was out there as a 46-year-old man? He said, do you remember when we used to take walks as a kid? And I was like, yeah. And it just flooded back to me the favor and the kindness of God of how he took care of a young man, and he's walked with this man throughout my life. I've got a good father. He's a good friend. He's a provider. He's an equipper of me. He encourages me. He's my biggest fan. He plays with me, and he listens. I had a weird dream. Can I tell you dreams, too? Can I just let you in on just the weirdness of your pastor? I had a dream. I have lots of dreams. Most of them, I call them pizza dreams. I don't write them down. It's what I ate before I had the dream. But sometimes God speaks to me, and I go, That's you, God. So in this dream, I was with my family, and there was a lion in the dream. And I was scared of the lion, as most normal humans are. But Samuel, my son, thought the lion was cool. And Samuel was playing with the lion and running around, and I'm looking like a father going, you're an, come on, Samuel, it's a lion. Get away from the lion. And The next thing I know, I'm looking for Sam, and right here, I turn around, and there's the lion. And the lion puts his paw on my shoulder, smiles, and licks me on the face. I woke up, and immediately, I thought of Aslan. Immediately, I thought of, you know what? It's right to have reverent fear of the lion. 
But ultimately, he's good, and he loves you more than you can imagine, and he wants to play and have fun with you and be on adventure. That's my Father in Heaven. I don't know what your Father in Heaven looks like, but he's a ferociously mean, playful lion with no, no claws when he puts his hand on my shoulder in a big lick. I want to thank Samuel for that because he led me into that revelation in my dream. Come on, Dad. He's fun. All of those things I said about God is what I want to be with my children, right? I want to be a provider, a friend, an equipper, an encourager. I want to be their biggest fan. And I want us to be on mission together. I want us to be on adventure together. For those of you who know the Richmonds, we are a crazy, loud, joyful, passionate, honest, lovers of Jesus people. And God dumped a verse during this time into my heart for our family that we want to live by. Psalm 112.4, that it says that the light shines in the darkness. Godly, the light shines in the darkness darkness for godly people. They are generous, compassionate, and righteous. And that's who we want to be. We want to be a people that shine in the darkness because Jesus is so present in our life and that we'd be generous, compassionate, and righteous. Secondly, I learned that God speaks to me. If I didn't already know that, he spoke volumes to me. Um, He reminded me of a passage of scripture when I was on the top of the mountain, right when God began to, I had that first good night of sleep. I went four willing to the top of the mountain. I said, God, I really need you to start speaking to me. And right as I said that, the wind blew um, pretty strongly through the trees, which is a way that God speaks to me. I'm a nature guy. And I said, God, you're so good. And then he immediately reminded me of a verse that he put in my heart um, when we first moved up to Boston out of Romans 4, 3. And it, and it says this, For the scripture tells, tells us Abraham believed God and God counted him as righteous because of his faith. And I remember the very first time that God spoke that to me um, when he said, Sean, it's not about what the outcome looks like. It's not about how successful you are in your eyes or in people's eyes, what matters to me is that you walk with me by faith. If you walk in faith with me, I consider you righteous. So I want to encourage you. It's not about where you end up. It's about who you're walking with. And it's about how you are embracing the one that you're walking with. Is it by faith? Is it by fear? Whatever. Uh, way back, it reminded me of this word uh, that God spoke to my heart. He said, God, Sean, if you perform for me, I will watch. But if you call out to me, I will come. If you perform for me, I'll be, I'll be your biggest fan. Way to go, Sean. That's awesome. You're doing a great job. But you want my presence? Call out to me. And I'm right there. Speaking of that revelation in spades. I read a devotional book that I had read a long time ago, but it was such a a good um, companion on the journey called Hind's Feet in High Places. Just a journey of 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 a young woman who is on a journey with a shepherd, and it's a, it's, a, it's a parable about Jesus and our walk with him. would encourage you to read it if you're wanting a devotional encouragement about your relationship with Jesus. Third thing I learned, <clears throat> learning how to live a life of Sabbath rest. Heard that you had a great message a few weeks ago from Beth, for those of you who are here on the Sabbath, haven't had a chance to listen to it. But we need to walk 
in Sabbath. Now, let me tell you what I am not only saying. I'm not talking about taking a day off from work and not working. That is part of it. But Sabbath is not a time frame, primarily. It's a position with God. And I can tell you as your pastor, as much as I have studied, processed, lived out seasons of Sabbath rest in my life, when I got on my sabbatical, I realized I was not at rest. I was not at rest. I was doing a lot more performing and a lot more doing and a lot more anxiety and um, stress and push and grind and weariness, all the things that don't speak of Sabbath were stacking up in me. I shouldn't get to a time where I have to have a sabbatical. Amen? That's actually an indictment on me. Not on anybody else, but it's an indictment on me. I should not have gotten to a place where I was desperate for a sabbatical. I should have a sabbatical at times, but it should be from a place of strength. And, ah, now more depth whatever that time looks like. So God really spoke to me, Sean, part of the reason you're here is because you need, to, you need to understand at a deeper level what it looks like to rest in me. And that was, that was huge. That was huge. And I looked at Jesus um, in his, this, this, this scene in Matthew, uh, where, Matthew 14, where he has just learned that his, a good friend, his cousin John the Baptist, has been beheaded. And he wants to get off and get some time away. It says he was going to the mountain. And on his way, it says that the crowds figured out where he was going, and they followed him. Remember this story? And so they found him, and he had a choice. And at that moment, his choice was to stop and minister to the people. And so he healed the sick. Then we go into the story of him feeding the 5,000. And then after that, he gets away again. And this time, he actually gets away. And I was just reminded, in our, season, in our life, all of us, it's not like we can program ourselves to have this time set aside. It's not about getting time set aside. We're purposeful about getting time set aside. I call Jesus' time his mountain time. That's why I know he and I are brothers, because I like the mountains too. He would go to a mountain and pray. But it wasn't about whether he got it or not. It was, what, it was about whether he was walking in it or not. Do you understand what I'm saying? He was at rest whether he was ministering or he was on the mountain. There were times where he needed to get away for the mountain, but it wasn't because he was out of Sabbath in his heart and life. And God just really stirred me, Sean. There's a place that I want to take you to where you're walking um, in restful boundaries in your heart, where you are at peace and trusting me, but you are also... Um, available when you need to be available, and you're, okay, you're, you're at peace to say no when you need to say no. Nobody else knows that in your life, Sean, but you. And that's the journey that you have when you walk with me. Um, Hind's Feet on High Places, the author says, Sabbath rest comes when we have totally surrendered to the shepherd and committed ourselves to trusting him and obeying him. Sabbath comes when we have totally surrendered to the shepherd or to Jesus and committed ourselves to trusting and obeying him. So I do think it's about time. There are 
I do think that it's good to practice a day. God can do in six days what it takes seven days for us to do. Sometimes we need to try that to see that it's true. It is about seasons, but it's most about our trust and our rest in him. When we feel stress, anxiety, or the loss of that Sabbath, or that rest inside us, this is my encouragement to me, and and you can take it if you want it. Slow down, Sean. Stop. Listen. Take notice of God in this moment, in this circumstance, and ask him what he's doing. Stop. Why are you so stressed? Why are you so overworked? Why are you so anxious? Why are you so weary? Stop. Listen. Take notice of what's going on and ask God, God, what are you doing here? What do you want to do with me? When I do that, he brings me to a place of rest. Next thing I learned, for if God is for me, who can be against me? Amen? We just sang about that today. The devil is defeated. Love it. Romans eight thirty one. What shall we say about such wonderful things as these? If God is for us, who can ever be against us? What a journey of taking the, when you get tired, I don't, oh, let me say it again for me, when I get tired and I get weary and if there's anxiety or stress mixed into that, I start to hear, I start to have phrases or thoughts go through my mind that if I step back, I go, that's not God. That doesn't, I know the Bible, I know who God is, that doesn't sound like God at all. Well, what is that? It could be the devil. Or it could be old hurts or wounds or ways that you think about life that the record player just got record player. What, what do we have now? The Spotify just comes right on, just starts playing. So things like, I can't do it. Is that God? That's not God. I'm alone. I'm tired. I want to give up. Fill in the blank. Those things start coming, and they are attacks from the enemy or our own flesh to defeat us from what God has for us. But God is for us. He's not against us, and he has wonderful plans for our life, and those plans are for freedom. Everybody say, God's got freedom for me. Yeah, and you can say, God's got freedom for you, Sean. I receive it. Well, here's a story about that. At the end of our ICON International Conference, one of the things that my daughter Molly really wanted to do um, on her bucket list for our trip was to climb a 14,000-foot mountain. She had two problems. She wanted to do it with her dad, and her dad's out of shape. And secondly, my daughter has a rare allergic reaction that we haven't actually figured out yet, but she has an anaphylactic reaction that has something to do with cold and then heating up, sweating, and there's just some kind of, when that combination happens, she has had, she's had now four anaphylactic reactions where she has to take an EpiPen and we have to take her to the hospital. So when we thought about summer, 14,000 foot mountain, cold, hot, we thought, wow, this is I'm not sure about this. And we prayed about it, and we decided not to do it. She received some major prayer at our conference and and was built up in faith that God was doing a healing work in her body, but also not just in her body, but 
in regards to this whole illness that's been very discouraging for her. And she was very encouraged. And so were we. And my position before the Lord was, God, I'm going to do whatever my daughter has faith for. And, and we decided through prayer that we weren't going to do a 14,000-footer because it was about an hour away. But we were going to do one that's right off the highway near where we were staying that's about 13,000 feet. And it's a shorter hike. And so the last day, we, we prayed about it, we felt good about it. The last day, we went off at 5 o'clock, caught to the top of the mountain, caught the sunrise. It was glorious. And on the way up, not only coming out of her prayer time the, the day before, but we just had a powerful encounter with God. It was very significant for me. It was like when the, is the light bulb turning on for God to say, okay, you've come out of all of this. Now I'm charging you up for going forward. And just tons of words and revelation. It was so encouraging. We had a great prayer time up, up top. We took lots of pictures. We spent time with Jesus. It was awesome. We start coming back down the mountain. And it's getting hot. And halfway, not even halfway, just a, a quarter of the way down, she starts having a reaction. She said, Dad, I'm, I'm starting to have a reaction. I said, well, honey, what, uh, what do you do? She says, I'm going to take my Benadryl. So she took her Benadryl. We got a little bit farther down. She says, Dad, my throat's starting to constrict. So I said, take your EpiPen. So she took her EpiPen. We started walking down a little bit further. And she is starting to have cramps. She's starting to have a lot of pain, and she's starting to feel her blood pressure decrease. All parents in the room, it was one of those moments. I, my cell, I had no cell coverage. Um, I couldn't get a hold of Laura, and um, she's fading. I said, honey, take the other EpiPen. She took the other EpiPen. And we started down the mountain. We have some hikers that come up. I, I tell them very calmly, uh, my daughter's having an anaphylactic reaction. Can you, do you have any cell coverage? Can you call? One of them, I think, called. I'm not sure what happened. We kept on walking. Finally got a hold of Laura, enough to say, Molly's having a reaction. Call the ambulance. That's all she had. And then we couldn't get a hold of her again. She falls apart because she doesn't know what's happening to any of us. We finally get down the mountain to the restroom. She thought she was going to throw up, she was, um, but she was getting better. She was, starting to, she was able to breathe. So really the only thing that was left was some pain and the um, bl- blood pressure still felt low. We waited for the ambulance for 30 minutes um, from the time that we were in the parking lot. So it had been about an hour. Um, they got her hooked up. They got fluids and steroids into her and she made it. All the while, I can tell you this, all the while, while she's going through that reaction, we're calm, we're at peace, and we have courage. And she's looking at me and she's saying, Daddy, this is attack, and I'm not giving the devil victory. This is just exactly what the enemy does so often, ladies and gentlemen, is that we have an encounter with God, and our faith is stirred, and the heavens open up, and then the enemy says, uh-oh, they're dangerous. I better take them back to reality. And we went through our little journey of faith, but we came out alive, praise the Lord, 
and we came out more determined, both of us, dad gummit, that's a good um, cuss word from the south without cussing, devil, you're picking on the wrong people. You're picking on the wrong people because we know who our God is, and we know what his plans are, and his plans are to prosper us. His plans are for a future and a hope. His plans are for victory, not just for us, but through us, for this city. Come on, it's getting closer to you. And God is wanting to do something in this place that takes you and I, not walking in the middle map of failure, of fear, of lies, of condemnation, of apathy, of regret, of you fill in the blank, but says, God is good, and we're walking with God until he has complete victory in our lives and the people's lives around us. That's a good time for an amen. We are determined to stand in the gap and fight, not just for our lives, but for your lives and for the lives around us. Last thing, one quote, and then I'm going to have the band come on up. One quote from Bill Johnson, who was at our conference. He said, we always release the nature of the world we are most aware of. So if we are living in fear, what are we going to release through our life? If we are living in judgment, what are we going to release through our life? If we're living in unforgiveness, what are we going to have? Unforgiveness. But if we're living in hope, what are we going to to impart? Faith, love, courage, whatever, joy. I want to live in that world, don't you? Okay, last thing. When we were, so that day, really fast. We were going to do pictures with this, but you have to remember, they were, you've seen them. That day, we got out of the emergent care, and we started driving back home. We got to uh, Idaho, or I don't even know where we were, some o- Omaha or outside of Omaha, Nebraska, and we stopped at a Wendy's. Remember that picture? And there was a rainbow. And I looked around, and there was a sunset. And God said, this rainbow's for you, Sean. I was getting gas for my family. They were in the restaurant. I took a picture of it, and I said, God, you are my hope. Rainbow means hope to me means commitment from God on my behalf. 17 years ago when we drove into Boston, we drove down Route 2 when we were first moving here to plant the first church. And as we drove over Route 2, you know where the picture is of the city skyline? You come over Route 2 and you can see all of Boston. We drove in our car, trailer, and over the city of Boston was a double rainbow. And God said to us then, you're called here I'm for you. Walk in hope. This is your home. How many of you know when God does dramatic words of encouragement, it usually means that there's a lot of suffering coming, (laughs) a lot of trial? He does the more dramatic. Nowadays, I'm like, oh, darn, it was dramatic. (laughs) Uh, Okay, God. You know, 17 years of trial, toil, wonderful joy, victory, et cetera, et cetera. The double rainbow is proven true. I saw that rainbow, and immediately as I took the picture, I felt like the Lord said, Sean, this has been a rough season. This has been an encouraging season. You're coming back to Boston. I'm going to give you another rainbow when you drive into Boston. All right. Put it in my heart. Drove. Got delayed by thunderstorms. Stayed in Iowa longer than we thought we wanted to. Ann Arbor, Michigan for an extra day, driving in to Boston. I'm working on my laptop. The work is starting to come before me. I'm starting to build myself up to the fact that I really am a pastor. I'm coming back into the city. 
My daughter's driving, and she goes, Dad, look at that cool rainbow. I was like, where? And there was a rainbow. We'd just driven into Massachusetts. We were in the state of Massachusetts, and over the road was a rainbow. And I looked, and it wasn't just a rainbow. It was a double rainbow. I said, guys, it's a double rainbow. And then I told him the story, and the car erupted. I want you to know that you have a family that rejoices in the word of God, in the confirmation of God, and we started praying and interceding. Samuel had words of knowledge and pictures about Roman soldiers and the impact of the word of God in Boston. Jonathan pulled out his guitar and was writing songs, or at least played a song he had written. We were interceding and praying with faith that God was doing a new thing. He's doing a new thing in me. In you, double rainbows, end of slideshow, let's pray.